tonight's there's going to be a lot of scripture because I want us to be abundantly clear of what the Word of God says on this topic. Tonight is a good night to uh, take notes, but if you if you if you I'm not really a note taker because my mind goes off in a hundred directions. So um, if you want notes, just go back and listen to it on the website. It'll be uploaded early in the week. Um, but I just want to encourage us. Uh, uh, a lot of good stuff contained in this in this message. So let's start off with Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse 31 and 32. Scripture says this, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Just as Christ has forgiven you. Forgive others as you have been forgiven. Forgive others as Christ has forgiven you. This is Christ's law of forgiveness. And we see it all throughout the New Testament. We see it all throughout His Word. Forgive others as we have been forgiven. We all know the Lord's Prayer. And we see this in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, I'm going to read, normally when, when we read the, the Lord's Prayer together, most of us have uh, the New King James kind of version. Uh, I want to read this from the New Living Translation. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 15 says this. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. This prayer, this Lord's Prayer, this prayer that we all know, what is this prayer all about? What is this prayer all about? This prayer is about acknowledging our dependence upon God. This prayer is about acknowledging Him as being first, foremost, preeminent. About acknowledging Him, about a yielding to him. Yielding to him instead of what? Instead of ourselves. I, I love when Mike Hanchett's here. It feels like every time he's here, he makes us say the phrase, everyone say after me, it's not about me. You're right? Did Mike do that when he's here? It's not about me. My friends, this Lord's Prayer is a reminder. Jesus is saying, pray this way, guys. And remember, it's not about you. Everything about this prayer is about Him. Your name is to be honored and kept holy. That's how this starts. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your name is the only name that I care about being kept holy. It is your name that I care about being honored and revered and exalted. It is your name. Your good name. See, it's not about our good name. 
Because if we find ourselves in Christ Jesus, then we bear His name. And that is the name that we want to be exalted. The name that is above all names. How is God's name kept holy? How is His name kept hallowed? It is kept holy when those of us who bear His name keep it holy. When we exalt Him, when we keep Him first, when those people that are looking at us, we're pointing them back to Him. His name is kept holy because those of us that walk around declaring, I I follow Christ, I am a Christian. And our actions and our lives and our words and our hearts exalt Him. That's how His name is kept holy. Jesus is the perfect representation of the Father. We talk about the Father being honored and His name being kept holy. Jesus is the perfect representation of the Father. Hebrews 1.3 says this, The Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And He sustains everything by the mighty power of His command. When He had cleansed us from our sins... He sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. I like how this passage is communicated in, in the Message Bible, so I want to read this again. So Hebrews 1.3 in the Message. The sun perfectly mirrors God and is stamped with God's nature. He holds everything together by what He says. Powerful words. The sun perfectly mirrors God and is stamped with God's nature. The sun perfectly represents the Father. Our goal, I asked at the beginning, is to be like Jesus, is to represent Jesus, is to look like Jesus. And it's also to represent His Father because that's what Jesus made His life all about. Everything Jesus did was in obedience to the Father. Everything He said was in obedience to the Father. Everything He did was so that His Father might be glorified. So that people might know His Father's heart. We look at Jesus and we go, oh, Jesus' heart was so good. He was so loving. He laid down His life. Jesus mirrors the Father. Jesus is the perfect representation of the Father. We are wrong if we think Jesus is kind, is loving, but we look at the Father as being uh, harsh and, and vengeful. And no, Jesus mirrors the Father. Jesus demonstrated the Father's heart. God forgives us solely because of His grace and His mercy. But what happens when we refuse to forgive others? Let's go back to the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6. Pray like this, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us the food we need today and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Your name be kept holy. Your kingdom 
be established in this earth and in my life. Your will be done. You are the provider. You are the source of all I need. You are the one I will look to for what I need to be sustained, to feed you. You are my rescuer from death. You are the one who paid the price I could never pay. You are the one who paid the debt I could never afford. By forgiving me of my sins. By canceling my sentence of death. By canceling your sentence of death. But what happens when we refuse to forgive others? Verse 15. If you forgive those who sin against if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is one of the most eye-opening, uh, dis, dis in something. I mean, this shakes us. This is one of those things that gets our attention. If we don't forgive others, you are not forgiven. Well, what about the work of Jesus? If you forgive others, your Father will forgive your sins. But, if you don't forgive others, your sins aren't forgiven. The Message Bible says this in that that same passage we read, and I love the way it says this. So Matthew 6, 14 and 15 in the Message In prayer, there is a connection between what God does and what you do. You can't get forgiveness from God, for instance, without also forgiving others. If you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself off from God's part. If you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself off from God's part. If you refuse... To make it about him. Then your actions make it about you. And in doing so you cut yourself off. In doing so you cut yourself off. From his grace. In doing so you cut yourself off. From his forgiveness. In doing so you cut yourself off. From his covering. From his protection. You even cut yourself off from your prayers being answered. When we refuse to forgive others, we cut ourselves off from God. Because when we refuse to forgive others, when we refuse to forgive others, we no longer look like who? When we refuse to love others, we no longer look like Jesus. When we refuse to forgive others, we no longer reflect the Father's heart. When we refuse to forgive others, we no longer yielded to Him. And our actions declare the blood and the life and the blood and the work and the love of Jesus are no longer needed here. They are no longer enough. Because my hurt is greater. Because the right to be right is greater. That's what our actions say. 
My friends, it is easy for someone to stand up here and, and, and make a blanket statement that we're supposed to forgive. Because see, you and I, you know, we know the ways that we have been deeply wounded and hurt and betrayed in our lives. We understand those hurts. As I'm speaking, I'm speaking, looking at many faces, so I'm making a blanket statement. But as you sit there, you're right now thinking about your hurts, your wounds, the betrayals that have taken place in your life. They are, they are personalized. My friends, just because those things are coming to the surface does not make these words that I'm saying any less true. Either He gets His way or we get our way. But when it comes to the freedom that we experience, we, we don't, it can't be both if we're not willing to forgive. If we hold on to unforgiveness, we cut ourselves off from Him getting His way. What is His way? He wants us free. He wants us healed. When we refuse to forgive, thus making it, saying, I get my way. I, I will not give that person forgiveness. He doesn't deserve it. She doesn't deserve it. I don't deserve it. Sometimes it's us. Sometimes we're the one. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve the forgiveness. When we make it about us or someone else and not God, He doesn't get His way. He doesn't get to see us walk in the freedom He wants. He doesn't get to see us walk in the healing that He wants. He does not get His way. And my friends, let's not be naive and think God always gets His way. If He always got His way, then then every person in our lives would be lifting high the name of Jesus Christ and would die and make immediate entrance into the kingdom of God, be face to face with their Father. He doesn't get His way. People die all the time without knowing Jesus and His life and His love and His forgiveness. And when we don't forgive, once again, He doesn't get His way. When we place ourselves above Him, when we cut ourselves off from God Himself and His covering, something very disconcerting, which is the word I was looking for earlier, the dis words, disconcerting, there we go. Something disconcerting happens. We open ourselves up to the torture of the enemy. Did you know that? When we don't forgive, we open ourselves up to the torture, to being tortured by the enemy. I don't think that's in the Word. Well, let's go with the Word. Let's see what the Word says. Let's read Jesus' instruction to the disciples about forgiving. Okay, so in Matthew chapter 18, this is Jesus responding to Peter and the disciples asking about forgiveness. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Uh, Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 77 times, or seven times seven. 70 times 7. The point being, you're not just bound by a small number. It's it's a constant forgiveness. It's not a numeric number that we're bound to. Therefore, the kingdom of God can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. 
In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, Please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity on him and he released him and forgave his debt. My friends, this this story that Jesus is telling the disciples, this, this is us and Jesus. Jesus is the king. We are the ones with the debt of millions of dollars. And we were the ones brought before the king saying it's time to square accounts. And I look at your life and you don't have enough to pay this debt. We didn't have enough to pay the debts of sin. We didn't have enough. I don't care how much good works we have. I don't care how many little ladies we helped cross the street. I don't care how many times we gave money to help orphans. I don't care how many times we did good things in church. Our good works don't cancel out the sin of our lives. Only one thing could do that, and that was the blood of Jesus. The average Joe, we, if, if we had a debt of millions of dollars, we couldn't repay it. How do you repay that? Well, same thing with our debt of sin. The only way it could be repaid is like we see in this story. The king says, I forgive the debt. The debt's paid. You owe me nothing. You owe me nothing. You're free. That is what we have when we trust our lives in Jesus Christ. Our debt is forgiven. Our sin, our shame, our past, our hurts. All of it given to Him in exchange for pardon of our debt. Let's go back to this passage. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it. He pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Let's hear this. Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. My friends, we've got to hear this this next passage. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Talk about a wake-up call. 
This is the only passage in Scripture where I see that we're in jeopardy of having our salvation made null and void is a refusal, a refusal to forgive. What happens when, when the king, the angry king, he, he reneged on the freedom he had given, re-implemented the debt, threw them into prison, he and his wife and his kids, and then what? Surrendered them to the torturer. When we refuse to forgive, we have the grace of God removed from our life and we open ourselves up to the torture of the devil in our lives. What does that mean? What does that mean? The torture, being surrendered to the torture, having the torture of the enemy in our lives. What does that mean? Well, torture comes in many different ways, but according to Ephesians 4, we can always recognize the fruit of somebody who's battling the torture. We read that that passage at the beginning. Let's read that again. And keep in mind, these things listed in Ephesians 4 represents the fruit of someone who is being tortured because of unforgiveness. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, <clears throat> just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. The fruit of unforgiveness. Our lives become bitter. When we don't forgive, we become bitter. <clears throat> Rage. Have you ever experienced rage? Have you ever been on the other end of rage and had it, had it directed towards you? The result of unforgiveness. Anger. Harsh words. Harsh words. My friends, I promise you, when we freely forgive, the harsh words are, are few. And this is spoken by a man who brought harsh words. When we are quick to forgive, the harsh words are few. The anger... It's not followed by sin. We still have anger. But the Bible says be angry and sin not. We can be angry and not sin. But I promise you, when we are being tortured by the enemy because of unforgiveness, sin follows the anger. Harsh words and slander. All types of evil behavior. Why are these the fruits of unforgiveness? Because these are the things that naturally happen when we cut ourselves off from God. When we cut ourselves off from His love, 
from His grace, from His unforgiveness. Once again, I want to make something perfectly clear. When we cut ourselves off, when we cut ourselves off, our Father, may Your name be made holy. May Your will be done. May Your kingdom be manifest on this earth and in my life. May I look to you for all I need for sustenance. May you protect me from temptation. May you deliver me. Guard me. That's yielding. That's yielding. Unforgiveness is the exact opposite of what I just said. As we come to know the Son, we come to know the Father. And when we know the Father, we understand His mercy. And we will want to be like Him. We will want to reflect His love and we will want to reflect His mercy. Because when we have the Father's heart, we want to forgive. Because we want His name to be hallowed. Doesn't that make sense? When He's the most important thing in our life and we want Him to receive the glory and to be exalted and to have His way. Forgiveness just falls in line with that because we have His heart. You know what? Forgiveness is about you and God. It's about me and God. It is not about the people who hurt us. I want to make that totally clear. It is not about the people who hurt us. Forgiveness is about me and God and no one else. We see this demonstrated in the Bible as well. When we are unwilling to forgive, we are not in agreement with Christ. When we are unwilling to forgive, we are not in agreement with Jesus Christ, who He Himself was willing to forgive those even as He hung on the cross. In Luke 23, verse 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Right? He's on the cross. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You notice He didn't say, Hey, Billy Bob, I forgive you. You were a real jerk. I forgive you, brother. Why? Because it ain't about Billy Bob and me. It's about me and God. For me to forgive others doesn't mean I've got to go around telling them, I forgive you. You really, you really screwed me. I, I forgive you. That's what we want to do, right? Well, i got to get one more jab in there. No, you don't. Because when we have his heart... All we want is to be in agreement with Him. And so we don't have to have a jab. You know why? Because by golly, I'm the one that deserved the jabs. Because it was my sin that put Him on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. Perhaps in unforgiveness, we didn't know what we were doing either. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. When we choose not to forgive, we have no idea what we're doing. 
by holding on to that unforgiveness, what we're actually doing is we're holding that hurt and those pains and those betrayals. We're holding those closer to our heart than the hand of the healer who desires to touch our heart. Instead of holding his hand close, we're holding those hurts and the unforgiveness. My friends, to do that, we truly must not know what we're doing. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. In holding on to unforgiveness, what we're saying is the work of Jesus is not enough. It's not enough. It is not enough. Jesus, what you did, not enough. Not bigger than what I've been through. This is a man who had no sin. The Son of God. Betrayed. Abandoned. Beaten. Mocked. Murdered. I think he understands whatever it is that you and I have gone through. And what he did was enough. His work was finished. His work was completed. The work of Jesus Christ was enough. It was enough. It was perfect. And it was finished. And it was everything we need to walk in freedom. And it was enough for all the people who have hurt us. And it was enough for all the people that have betrayed us. And it was enough for the people who have raped us. And it was enough for the people who have beaten us. And it was enough for the people who have robbed from us. Who have disappointed us. Who have hurt us in any way. The call to ministry today is a call to freedom. It is a call to freedom. Freedom. Because that's what we receive when we forgive. Freedom. How ironic is it that we don't want to have anything to do with those who have harmed us and hurt us and betrayed us. But yet that's exactly what happens by clinging to it. We still stay connected. But by forgiving, we're free. By forgiving, we're free. you have unforgiveness in your life I imagine this message about being cut off for God from God resonates with you because you felt that way at times you felt that way cut off from God you felt that way if you have unforgiveness in your life I imagine there's times you've said Lord it's like my prayers like you don't even hear them and that's exactly what's taking place when we have unforgiveness, our prayers go unanswered. If you want to be free, if you want to be free, 
If you have had unforgiveness and you want to be free, then we just come into agreement with Him. I say, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. By looking to Him and saying, give me this day my daily bread. Give me this day the thing I need to live to survive. And you know what? If you've been carrying around unforgiveness, that's not living. That is not living. It needs to be given to the Lord. The Lord wants to see you free today.